Well, I don't feel like I'm a part of the everyday American society, and I don't want to be, let me tell you. Okay? I do my damnedest to tear it down. A governor's task force has determined that punk rockers are society's new subversives and must be treated as such. Taxation is theft. Oh! God damn it, motherfucker! We're talking peace, love, and honor. The BR Hates Fed Show. Welcome to the Rice Fields, motherfuckers. How's it going, lads and ladies? I'm BR, and I hate feds. And today is Monday, the 22nd of August, 2022. The year of our Lord. Or whatever the fuck is going on. Anyway, hope you guys are doing well. It's, as always, it's a weird time. The time's... Only stay weird, seemingly. I was, I was like a little bit nervous to start the show, which was fucking weird, because I am the only one here. It's, it's been a second since we've done a, a solo show. I think the last time was June, like early June. And since then, seeing as we've made the podcast a little bit more intermittent, doing two a month now, we've had like three episodes in a row where I've been interviewing someone. And uh, so that takes away from our time to get together and chat a little bit <laughs> in, in, in the way that we can with the Q&As and uh, getting some of you guys and your questions in the show. So uh, no, it was great to talk to, to those guys. Really happy with those interviews. A lot of, lot of interest in people to talk to. But yeah, back to rambling on my own. <laughs> no, I was, I was procrastinating. I mean, in fairness, I had a, a new PDW build that I'm, I'm putting together, so... That was my excuse. I'm like, well, let's get it functional, and then we can record the show. Happy days with that. Nice, nice to get a new, a new idea, well, a new build that I've been wanting to do for a second together. Not finished yet. Still needs optic, light. I got like three slings that I need to choose which one I'm putting on it. But yeah. Anyway, I'm just talking shit. Something that has struck me is that a fair few of you people are new to the show, which is really cool. So thank you for joining us. And like I said, this isn't gonna be, if you haven't heard me rambling by myself for an hour and a half before, this is a slightly different show than, you know, when I'm interviewing someone, kind of one-on-one. Instead, I, I I used to do kind of a news show, but since the news just turned to depressing bullshit week after week, I kind of cut that down a little bit and uh, prefer to tell you kind of what's going on with me, what's, what's actually what I believe to be relevant in the world and kind of what's bullshit and propaganda, and and then we go into some listener questions, which I've got two separate Q&As worth of questions, so we're going to try and keep it more Q&A heavy, because I like to talk about what you guys want to talk about, rather than just just necessarily my bullshit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, of, little bit of news. The Euro, which is for you backwards hicks who have never left the uh, left the country. The euro is the currency of the European Union, which, for anyone who's confused about what the fuck the European Union is, it's essentially the federal government, but for Europe, which makes no fucking sense. A lot of you might have heard the term Brexit, which has then spawned, like, Calexit and all the rest of it. But Brexit was when the UK left the European Union a couple of years ago. 
because the last thing I felt, last thing I felt good voting for was to leave that fucking hellhole, because decentralization is always superior to centralized control, but essentially the European Union dictates laws from Brussels across, like, a shit ton of European countries, everyone in the EU, and it just, there's a bunch of arbitrary fallout from laws being in place that affect, you know, multiple countries that the the populace of these individual countries can't vote on themselves. It makes zero fucking sense, it impacts their trade, it's just bullshit. Much like the United States federal government and centralized authority everywhere. But uh, anyway, the euro has tumbled to be about equal to the dollar, the US dollar, so kind of, kind of telling of what a centralized government will do to your fiat currency in its the inevitable downfall of empires, especially these days as people are kind of rowdy and fucked up all over. Fiat currency isn't doing too great, especially with the mass inflation, well, because of the mass inflation that's hitting everywhere, really. So back in 2012, the euro was worth $1.29 on average, and nowadays I believe it is right around 1 to 1, you know, we'll, we'll see if it sinks any lower, but my god, let me tell you, if we could see the European Union collapse in my lifetime, I would be a very happy lad. Fuck that bullshit, it shouldn't exist, should never have existed, and if the euro keeps on tumbling after the UK left, quite a few other countries were like, yeah, we kind of want to do that too. So, um, who knows, maybe we'll see some more of that. And a lot of people, they get wrapped up in, you know, just US politics, which, fair enough. But I like to pay attention to the wider international trends, because it tells us that we're not just sitting here in a vacuum of, like, you know, everyone tries to tell us that the United States is just this maelstrom of chaos, when, in reality, the whole fucking world is. And when there's unrest in other countries, or like massive protests like the uh, the yellow vest protests that we saw in France a few years ago even prior to the lockdowns like for for those who aren't familiar the yellow vest protests were like a big anti-government anti-macron macron I don't know how you say his fucking frog name but the french were very upset <laughs> suffice to say about gas taxes and all sorts of kind of just I don't even know what to call it I think vaguely neoliberal kind of policies where, you know, it's all smiles and, oh, look at how, how good we're doing, and they're just fucking the working class on the underside, you know. So, they, they got rowdy as fuck for, like, quite a bit there. There was, like, tractors dumping shit in, uh, in Paris in front of politicians' offices, and there was, you know, firefighters lighting themselves on fire and charging into cops. It was, like, fucking wild. Seriously, look up some of that footage if you if you haven't seen it, if you're newer to this stuff. That was kind of this... I think one of my first posts on the original Bloody Revolutions page on Instagram was about the the French Revolution. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't know if they're burnt out. The French are pretty good at rioting. They do, a honestly, a fuck-ton better job than, uh, than most of us. I hate to give them credit. I, I really do. But uh, they do a pretty decent job of, of being pissed off at that government. Haven't seen any any guillotines out yet, though, which is a shame. I, I, I think they made a few that were, like, decorative, but I don't know. They need to make a permanent installation of them filled with concrete, hard as fuck to move, and guard them overnight, and just leave them standing like the 
the trucker protests in Canada, just do it for, you know, a couple weeks. Make sure everyone gets plenty of photography of guillotines in front of a French parliament? Do they have a parliament? I don't fucking know. They, they have lizard people, suffice to say. But for anyone who's new, I don't believe they're actually lizards. They're just... The Ivory Tower people just live on a different planet to us, a completely different reality with the way they live their lives in comparison to us peasants. But anyway, so that's cool. Really hoping to see Europe kind of wake up and start fucking shit up a little bit more for their governments. Oh yeah, uh, what I was getting to was that the US really never sees unrest in the wider world. Like... Unless it is a country that we're interested in going to war with. And it's like, oh look, their tyrant is stepping on their throat. We're going to go save them with a 20 year long war. And we're going to bomb the shit out of their population and cause 90% civilian casualties. That was Obama era drone strikes for the record. Look it up. But when it comes to Western nations, the US media never shares unrest, or not, not even necessarily Western, but like allied nations. We never show that, you know, this neoliberal or even neoconservative democracy isn't fucking working elsewhere, and that people are getting fucked over, they're angry, they're upset, and they're willing to make Molotovs and come out en masse and protest and cause trouble trying to get you know, make a better life for themselves. They don't show that shit in the US because, you know, it's a powder keg. <laughs> and they know if, like, they know it's not going to be quite January 6th, like, you know, unguided tourists. It's going to be a fucking, like, Syria-level shit show if, if this country gets properly rowdy. And we've, we've been flirting with it. We have been flirting with it. Anyway, in other news... Dr. Anthony Fauci is stepping down. I think he's retiring in December, so he's currently the chief medical advisor to the Biden administration, previously the Trump administration, on infectious diseases and all that kind of thing. I think... I don't have a fact checker. The fact checker is me, and I'm retarded. But I think he was the highest paid member of government. I don't know if that's current, or at least on the books. Highest paid member of government. Yeah, he, he's stepping down. Everyone's like, oh yeah, victory, dude. He'll never get prosecuted for anything. None of them will, you know? A lot of people are very skeptical of his handling of did we fund dodgy research, gain-of-function research for COVID in... There we go, I've just got the fucking warning on Spotify now that I've mentioned it. But it's now a COVID episode forever. Lots of misinformation going on here. But yeah, a lot of people are very suspect, including myself, of his handling of did we fund gain-of-function research in Wuhan, in China, which led to, you know, essentially a fucking biological weapon level threat getting out and wreaking havoc on the world for a couple of years. And if they had their way, it would still be fucking going on. We'd still be playing musical chairs with are we locked down or not. He's he's going to move on to the private sector. <laughs> It'd be funny as fuck if he worked for, like, Pfizer. Because it would just be... It would, I mean, they wouldn't go that on the nose. There's no fucking way. If they do... I'm going to pull a clip from this and laugh at myself for thinking they wouldn't be so overt. But no, he'll probably end up in some wildly cushy advisor position and getting paid off for all of his misdeeds as a so-called public servant. Lizard people doing ivory tower shit. The world keeps spinning, although apparently a little bit faster. You guys see that? 
<laughs> there was there was some climate change thing about the Earth spinning faster. I think in July, or maybe it was earlier this month. But I never read into it. I don't know what the fuck that was about. So that's all I've got on that. But if you want to talk about other things that don't really matter, <laughs> which you know, fuck it. I I've been seeing it jump around, and I guess it's somewhat relevant because it's like a it's a culture thing, and personally. Culture war shit is so fucking boring. Like, who gives a shit how they're trying to distract you or how they're trying to divide and conquer you if they're still crushing your throat with their boot? It really doesn't fucking matter. But still, a whole bunch of people on both sides of the spectrum, left and right, get so sucked into, you know, culture war shit. So I think it's somewhat worth discussing, but something I've seen recently pop up was the so the new She-Hulk show, and a lot of people are going to be rolling their eyes and being like, alright, fuck this show, but uh, bear with me. So there's this one scene in particular that's been controversial, and it's it's a little bit silly, like, no matter which angle you come at this from, it's just fucking silly that it's even a discussion, but... So, spoiler alert, if you care. Personally, oh, and for context, this isn't going to be some, like, Eric July breakdown. But I, I myself was, like, a big comic nerd. I, you know, I'm a creative guy. I, I'm, I used to be, like, big on illustration. And as a result, I was big into comics as a kid. And I was reading Marvel comics from, like, when I was, like, 13. I got into Deadpool before he was on, like, Walmart t-shirts. Before he was cool, man. Like, ge genuinely, it was hard to find Deadpool comics. Now there's, like, 60 different series running at once, and then 60 more that he's guesting in. Anyway, I was reading comics kind of up until the Secret Wars event, where, for, for comic nerds, they, like, essentially destroyed all of the different universes and then, like, kind of did a soft reboot to make it more accessible to all of the new, you know, MCU Marvel fans. And I was kind of like, eh, it's, you know, they, they're, they're making it too accessible and kind of just... I don't know, plastering over, like, decades and decades and decades of comic history. It felt a little bit silly. But all that aside, I do give somewhat of a shit. I, I don't like, you know, I'm not going to lose my head over what they do in the MCU because I know it's a bunch of corporate, you know, bullshit and they're going to do whatever they can to sell as many tickets as they can and as many subscriptions, blah, blah, blah. So uh, make sure you pirate that shit. But <laughs> but beyond that, the scene pops up in, in She-Hulk where She-Hulk, again, spoiler alert, She-Hulk is kind of, Jennifer Walters, she's kind of training her powers alongside Bruce, who's been the Hulk for like 15 years or so. And she's kind of doing a little bit of Mary Sue shit where she's getting very good with her. She's been like the Hulk for maybe a few days, basically. And, and she's already kind of mastering a few things. And it's, it's like, her, her mutation's meant to be lesser than Bruce's. Like, she's still conscious when she's a Hulk. I don't know, she's, she's just, like, crushing it compared to how long it's meant to take her to master all this shit. So, they get to talking about controlling anger. And, and Bruce is talking about it. And Jennifer Walters responds, uh, and this is the controversial bit. Well, here's the thing, Bruce. I'm great at controlling my anger. I do it all the time. When I'm catcalled in the street, which incompetent men... When incompetent men explain my own area of expertise to me, I do it pretty much every day. Because if I don't, I'll get called emotional, or difficult, 
or might just literally get murdered. So I'm an expert con at controlling my anger because I do it infinitely more than you. And, you know, a lot of people took issue with that. Like, so, the and, and the reason they took issue with it is because Bruce Banner has been literally, like, when you first see him in this iteration of the character, he has literally fled the country and he's, like, a complete outlaw. He's being hunted by the military and, you know, all, all of this shit. He's been, like hunted down, shot at, he tried to kill himself by putting a gun in his mouth and he survived and all this kind of stuff. And so a lot of people are like, like seriously this girl is, you know, being privileged as fuck, whatever you want to call it. But then there's the other side of it where I, you know, I get what the writers were going for. I really wish they'd kind of addressed the fact that Bruce had a fucking shit time of it too and he shouldn't just kind of roll over and be like, yeah, you've had it much harder than me because she hasn't. Like Bruce has literally been, there's been... They have attempt. The United States government has attempted to murder him. You know, <laughs> like that hasn't that hasn't been her life yet. But then on the flip side of it, saying like, you know, when I'm catcalled in the street and blah blah blah, if I don't con control my anger, I might literally, I might just literally get murdered. That is a real thing. That that's exactly why we tell the women in our lives to always carry a gun, right? That's why we take them to the range, and teach them to defend themselves because no one else is going to fucking do it for him, and, you know, it's it's a vicious fucking world. And kind of the belittle... When people belittle the fact that catcalling happens, and, oh, I wish people, like, yelled compliments at me, it's like, dude, there isn't much between catcalling and someone following you to your car and kind of, you know, maybe trying to put a foot in your door or stop you from closing your car door or just generally making you feel unsafe. You know, and it doesn't matter if you're carrying a fucking, you know, Glock 19 in your purse. You just shouldn't have to fucking deal with feeling like a situation is getting escalated. So I see both sides of it. But, you know, as is the case, the conservatives are going like fucking nuts, going like, oh, it's woke garbage. I'm like, and, you know, may maybe it will be like as the series progresses. There's only one episode out so far, but I really don't see it. You know, sure, it's a little bit preachy and sure, there's kind of like a girl boss cringy thing going on. But to say that it's like woke garbage, I think that's a little bit early and everyone's just kind of waiting to shit on anything that's, you know, new and different from Marvel at this point. Which, again, I'm not, you know, nuts about Marvel in, in the same way that I was 10 years ago. It's, it's definitely very manufactured and hey, let's find a, a character for this audience, you know, and like, I don't know, it just feels a little bit kind of shopped out where it's a little bit artificial with how they're telling stories now because they're just finding, like, the correct color and sexual orientation before they're really focusing on plot, whatever. And, it, I mean, it, it gets really nuts when people are like, she didn't go far enough and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I don't know it's just a silly thing I saw a fucking Daily Wire going on something about it and I'm like just shut the fuck up you miserable cunts honestly change the channel fuck me anyway who cares about that shit hopefully I didn't go too long on, on about Marvel because I think that's the most I've ever spoken about Marvel on my show and again you know it, it's a culture thing and th there is a trend to be noticed but like 
so I'm actually like a fan of the character She-Hulk because she's similar to Deadpool with kind of the fourth wall breaking and being snarky and kind of an asshole, but also a fan of Moon Knight. So when that show came out, there's there's this one fucking cringy scene where uh, one of the one of the side characters becomes a superhero as well. And this little girl goes, in the middle of this fight scene, the, the superhero, like, gets kicked off to the side, and this little civilian girl sees her and goes, Are you an Egyptian superhero? And she goes, Yes, I am. And it's like, oh my god, fucking box ticked. So fucking dumb. And yeah, there, there is a lot of that stuff going on. And you should call it out and be like, that's kind of fucking dumb. I really, so far, I just don't really see... I, I think a lot of this outrage is just kind of the typical, like, Oh... They're trying to force this on me, I'm gonna react before I've even, like, really seen and processed it. You kind of have, like, a an opinion before it even happens, or before you've even seen it. It's, I don't know, a little bit lame. What, what the fuck ever, do what you want. But, personally, I actually enjoyed the first episode. I'm, I'm excited to pirate many more. But, beyond that, I've been getting outside, like, a shit ton, which is really cool. It feels good to get off the couch, you know, and I talk about this a lot. I think I talk, probably talk about it every episode, getting outside more and not just staring into your misery rectangle or getting home and chucking on your subscription service of choice and just, you know, potatoing out. It's good to go out there, get the heart pumping, get the lungs working, legs working, and also figure out what parts of your gear just don't fucking work. And uh, so recently we had, uh, we did a little desert rock through some pretty hilly country, which was cool, and uh, also just did a, a smaller day trip, did an eight-mile hike on a regular, like, hiking trail, rather than, like, public land or something. On the desert trail, a couple guys found out, you know, their foot, their footwear was really not working for them, and, like, competent dudes who can absolutely handle their shit, they were just like, fuck, dude, <laughs> the wrong footwear can really fuck you up out here. And absolutely, you know, that's why you got to get out and and train while it's easy, you know? Because if, if you get out there and you're in a situation where you have to be using your kit and there's no just running back to the truck or going home and, you know, ordering the right thing that you need, whatever it might be, if you're just out there and that's it, you're going to have a rough fucking time. And uh, it's, it's good to go out there and kind of make sure your gear's not killing you, <laughs> quite literally, you know. Oh, and this, so this eight mile hike, not in the desert, but up in the greener parts of the southwest. It was on a regular hiking trail with regular people, but, you know, we, we did it in full kit with rifles and stuff. And it was really educational, because usually when we go out, you know, we'll see maybe one other person passing by in a vehicle, or maybe some campers that don't see us, whatever it might be. But this time, we were just on the trail, you know, broad daylight, early in the morning, but still, you know, people are getting out there and hiking. And it was it was very educational, especially for Euro trash like myself, who's never done anything like that. I mean, you just never really get to see the reaction of people seeing you in full kit, in a situation where they don't expect you to be in full kit with a rifle. You know, like, if I'm at a 2A rally, all masked up, everyone's like, yep, cool, nice to see you. Or, <laughs> conversely, are you Antifa? But, 
being out on a trail, people are like, oh, what the fuck? What, what are you guys doing? And so there was a mixed bag of responses. No one was like, oh my god, Jesus Christ, I'm calling the cops, you know? It were like all freaked out and kind of questioning us a little bit standoffish. Like, so we had two major reactions. One was like, oh, hey guys, how's it going? You know, you enjoying the hike? Yeah. You know, maybe asking like one or two questions. Like someone was like, oh, what's, you know, what's, what's all that about? And... You know, like, just trying to weigh ourselves down, like, oh, cool, have a good hike, you know, literally as much as that. We had this one old couple who I was like, I'm wondering what their reaction is going to be. Are you a couple of, like, you know, California retirees who wanted your your money to stretch a little bit further and headed out to Arizona, and now we're, we're freaking you the fuck out? But no, they were like, <laughs> this, this old woman goes, you guys look badass, <laughs> which... Pretty endearing. And uh, and then there was this one more granola-looking family. Like, the guy looked like he has only ever heard of soy milk. And uh, they had, like, two kids, and they were having a little picnic off the side of the trail. And they had a dog with them, and we were walking past. We had two pups with us, too. Well, I shouldn't say pups. One of them's, like, a older dog, but still keeping up. And they, they just looked at us kind of, like, very wide-eyed, like, Hey, guys! You know, like, kind borderline kind of giving off the please don't kill me vibe and it's like Jesus Christ man if if you're living in the southwest and you haven't seen someone with a rifle walking around I don't know that's that's kind of lame to me that what we were doing would be shocking because it's not like we weren't doing anything uber tactical it's not like we're walking along a hiking trail you know you know doing like crossing danger areas and all that kind of thing like no we, we were just hiking as we would if we didn't have our kit but with it like we there, there was the occasional like if we were like kind of when we were near the end of the trail you know half of us split off into a little ambush and evidently we would have got domed for like 300 meters because <laughs> we didn't see him for shit but no like like this this one couple walks past and like oh wow yeah we, we didn't see you your outfit works like okay good <laughs> just wearing a pair of dpm pants and a Oh god, pants. DPM trousers, fuck off with that American nonsense. And like a like a regular British army undershirt, camo pack and, and that. But yeah, it was, it was just interesting kind of seeing the different responses. Most people, like, I'd say 95% of people were just, you know, happy to just, hey, you know, how's your day going? What are you up to? Blah, blah, blah. Not even what are you up to, but just, you know, maybe asking one question about what's what's the deal because you don't see it every day but i i do like that kind of normalization of it it's like yeah we're just dudes out hiking with kit it's good exercise sure as fuck no one's kidnapping us you know <laughs> out in the wilderness but that that one family definitely struck me as being like i don't know california oregon something or other transplants who were just kind of like Ooh, what's that about they were they were very very wide-eyed as they were trying to be polite and you know whatever fair enough i i get it it's kind of like how about how a brit would react if they saw what we were doing but it needs to be normalized you know people need to see in our society that it's not just the job of you know god fucking forbid soldiers and police to protect people as if they even do that but no it's it, it falls on civilians you know and if you if you support the second amendment but you can't fucking walk two miles with your rifle, or eight with a, a pack, mags, rifle, and kit. You know, you're a fucking 
piss poor example of what the Second Amendment was intended for. And there is a lot of that going around. Like, the amount of fucking Americans that say, I'm pro-Second Amendment, and have not once attempted something as simple as bounding with a few buddies. I mean, you know, not only are they not gonna make it, but, <laughs> but they just don't know what the fuck the Second Amendment is about. Like, so many... It's been so fucking castrated in this country. And honestly, I don't respect the vast majority of gun owners. And that sounds, I mean, that, that sounds really harsh, but stay with me. Like, the Second Amendment is about arming the militia. It's not really about guns. It's about having a civilian populace that's capable of defending itself from tyranny, whether it's foreign or domestic. So it really, really isn't about guns. Guns are a very important part of it, but it's so much more than small arms. I mean, you know, as the saying goes, it's always about warships and artillery and whatever whatever else you need to be a, a militia or a fighting force that's capable of taking on an empire, right? So we've gotten ourselves to a place where we are arguing about how castrated we should be. And that's why when, you know, you go for a, a little day hike, day packs, kit and rifles, you might get a few funny looks, because it's just, this country has been absolutely gutted, and make no mistake, they're going to continue gutting as much as they can, they are trying to absolutely gut this idea of independence, autonomy, and the capability of being an individual, you know, they want you to be good little tax cattle, subservient, and needing needing the collective for tons of stuff that the average person would have been in charge of, you know, Christ, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago. So, yeah, normalizing that shit, getting out there. Obviously, it's a little it's a little different legally depending on where you are in the country. Like where we are, we were technically open carrying, which not a fucking issue. Like it's a constitutional carry state. Open carry is completely fine. There was never going to be, you know, unless someone got really carony and kind of talked up what we were doing, like, you know, making out that we were being aggressive or dangerous with our guns, then maybe there might have been some trouble from law enforcement. But ultimately, regardless of that or not, we were doing absolutely nothing wrong, you know? So yeah, anyway, one last note before I get into the Q&A end the the me-centric part of this nice and early, but one other thing that I've noticed that's been kind of, you know, I, I used to harp on all the stupid fucking ethno-nats and all that kind of type a couple years ago when it was seemingly a bit more of a problem, like during the whole boog thing where a lot of people were trying to, I don't know, or even during 2020 when a lot of people were trying to scapegoat you know, an entire race of people as this other that could be, you know, all the problems in the world could be blamed on. I'm just fucking sick of seeing it and being around it. Because not only is it just, like, the, the casual racism guys all the way up to the fucking outright supremacists, they're just viciously unintelligent and just never have anything to offer apart from these broad brushstroke critiques of people based on the melanin in their skin. Just absolute fucking retards. Everyone's searching for the other to blame, which is absolutely the point of Divide and Conquer. It doesn't matter who the fuck is in power, what color they are, or 
who's trying to gain power. The, the main thing to keep your fucking eye on is that collectivized power is inherently dangerous. It doesn't matter what race, what creed, religion or lack of religion, or even ideology. It's all the fucking same. If you have a boot that is willing to stomp on your neck, you have a fucking problem. And so many people, they think, they, they like to imagine this utopia where if, you know, black supremacist, white supremacist, whatever it might be, they like to imagine this utopia where if everyone was the same color or everyone was the same religion, there would be no problems. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Human beings, inherently, they try and dominate each other. And so, so many people will be like, oh, well, there you go, that's, that's your argument against anarchy. Absolutely fucking not. That's my argument for anarchy. If we completely remove and persecute the ability to, as we should, it shouldn't be the opposite where we persecute people for, for trying to get away from power, but instead if we persecute people for pursuing it and trying to dominate others, guess what? We have got a much better society on our hands. If every time, you know, a warlord rises up, we fucking whack-a-mole that cunt. It's a much better standard of living for the populace. Instead of, we, we like, 30-year anniversary of Ruby Ridge, we have someone who moved away from society to live on their terms, who then gets sucked right back in and has their, their wife and children, friend, murdered by the state for trying to escape. Makes no fucking sense. So, when, when people think... Like, so, so many people think they're being intelligent and... It's always that edgy, like, oh, I was a libertarian. Okay, cool, so you didn't fucking get it. Clearly. So many people moving on down the so-called alt-right pipeline. or And how it happens is that kind of... I've, I've been doing this for a minute. I've, I've seen it. People start with that stupid fucking casual racism, and then they get kind of normalized to calling out and blaming the other maybe a little bit jokingly at first and then it becomes just their fucking identity it's just and they become comfortable with it because it's so easy to be like that group of people is the the only problem in society wild the cognitive dissonance it takes to to point at a group and be like you are the only thing holding us back from utopia and it's funny, because a lot of those same people will then point at anarchists and call us the utopians. Like, no dude, if you have your little all-white society, you guys are still going to end up, you know, disagreeing about what the correct way to worship Christ is, and all the rest of it. You know, who, who should be running things, how they should be running things, how collectivized it should be. I don't know, it's, it's something that's been bugging me, because in this, in this time of kind of unrest and uncertainty the willingness to blame a scapegoat is just that much higher and i just wanted to just wanted to put it out there i think you're a stupid fucking cunt if that's your primary belief system <laughs> if if scapegoatism is your political ideology i don't care what the fuck you call yourself if you're some dorky fucking national socialist or an ethno nationalist or whatever the fuck it might be you know, if you call yourself a fascist, all of that shit is so fucking weak, and it, it just, it, it's so obvious 
you haven't put any thought into it. You think that, well, and, and it's funny as well, because it kind of becomes this horseshoe theory thing where, you know, the, so the ethnonat guys or whatever else, they think that the only way to protect tradition and society and values and blah, 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 is to essentially become everything a communist is, <laughs> except with a, a different symbol, you know? We, we got to collectivize everything, we got to have a strong man in power, we got to have a, an overruling secret police government to clamp down all the things that are I'm afraid of because of childhood trauma and issues, you know, maybe maybe daddy puts cigarettes out on you or, you know, fucked you in the mouth once or twice. It's, it's all the fucking same, and I, <laughs> it's so funny, whenever you look at the dudes who believe this shit, they've got nothing going on, they're not idea guys, zero bitches. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not just saying, like, you know, they're not fucking. Like, they, they don't have any chance of a stable relationship with a woman. Or, you know, whatever the fuck. They, they have some kind of repressed, fucked up shit they haven't dealt with. So, it's something that I've noticed, and I don't give a shit if someone calls it cringe or whatever. But I got a zero tolerance thing on it. I think it's fucking lame. I think it's not going anywhere. And I just don't want to have any fucking involvement with anyone who, you know, even is friendly with that kind of territory. Yeah. Fuck off. Anyway, let's get into some of your questions. <laughs> on a lighter note. I don't know, I just wanted to touch on that because, like I said, you know, it, it's been coming up more as times get tougher. People always look for, for the scapegoat. And the the hard answer is that the only one that can free you and guarantee your freedom is yourself. You have to put in some work. You have to work out solutions for how to live your life on your terms. There's not some simple other to be like, well, if they weren't here, if everything would be good. That just doesn't fucking exist. But it's a, it's a real easy lie to sell someone, especially if they're fucking dumb. Anyway, Let's get into some questions. So I've mixed in, like I was saying earlier, I've mixed in two different Q&As just for, just so we have a little bit of bulk. And I meant to record, I did mean to record one, like a solo episode for, for the last show, but I'd also been meaning to talk to No, no Objectives for quite a minute. And the, the scheduling just worked out better to do three interviews in a row. So hey-ho. But we're at the tail end of it now, and we'll we'll get back to a, a more regular routine. Anyway, I'm looking to buy my first handgun. I want a Glock 19, but I'm not sure what to go with. You, I mean, if you want a Glock 19, get a Glock 19, my guy. It's, it's why I carry. It's what, you know, whole shit ton of people carry. And, you know, personally, I'm a utilitarian guy above aesthetics or how it feels or whatever. Like, if it's the sensible option... I will learn to enjoy it. Fortunately, my utilitarianism is so ingrained in my personality, and I, you know, I'll joke it makes me a little bit boring sometimes, but a Glock, a Glock 19, you know, it's, or a Glock 17, 9mm nine, nine Glocks, double stack 9mm Glocks are the most common handgun in the United States. And if you're thinking with a kind of prepper mindset where Sure, it's your everyday carry gun, you know, a Glock 19. It's not necessarily something that you would want to take in the field. You might want something more like a Glock 17 or a, a Glock 34 or something. 
but a Glock 19, if that's all you have, especially if it's all you have on you, you know, you can't return home and arm up or whatever, it can take Glock 17 mags, it can take the same mags as a Glock 34, and, you know, it, it's just very, very utilitarian, very, you know, wide range of compatibility, lots of aftermarket support, really extremely common handgun round, you know, tried and proven, and a fucking good capacity, and uh, lots you can, lots you can do to, it's, it's kind of, Glocks are the closest thing the pistol world has to the AR-15, you know, very common, common round, very customizable, you can really make it your own as much as you can, a handgun, and, and then also fairly affordable, Af do that in a very affordable manner. So, yeah, I, I would advise everyone to have, you know, a Glock 19 or 17, you know, in their collection, if they have a collection, but especially if it's your first handgun, you cannot fuck up with a Glock 19. And you can find, you know, double stack 9mm at pff, fucking damn near every pawn shop across the country. Well, demand's pretty high. Like, <laughs> I went... I, I bought one from a pawn shop and got a pretty good deal on it, but they they chucked it in the counter that day and said they'd had, like, you know, a whole lot of interest from walk-ins and, like, five people calling the shop asking if they had Glock 19, so you, you definitely have to be hot shit with, with checking pre-owned, but also, here's the other thing, for, and this is beyond just Glocks, the vast majority of guns especially if they're pre-owned like I was saying about the whole Second Amendment like, most Second Amendment people are kind of essentially fuds, doesn't matter how old they are, you know, they might just shoot and not really train with it, not train hard with their stuff. So even a police trade-in will usually not have that many rounds through it, and same for, you know, like if it was, like, my, my first, my first Glock, it had, like, a Punisher plug in the grip, a Punisher skull plug in the grip, and I was like, I know for a fact this motherfucker has not shot this that much. <laughs> And sure enough, it was like, I forget if it's a Gen 3 or 4, but it was in great condition, pre-owned, so. Yeah, don't shy away from, from pawn shop buyers, as long as it's not a fucking high point, or a piece of shit Caltech or something. Is it possible to be Catholic and an anarchist, or is that contradictory? No, of course it's compatible, my guy. As long as you're not, you know, forcing your Catholicism on anyone, that might be hard for Catholics. Joking! Mostly. Mostly. No, you should check out, I mean, let me get his tag right. There's a lot of great anarchist Christians out there. My co-host on the e-militia, Rebellious Liberty for one, but as someone who really, really goes hard on the kind of uh, render unto Caesar arguments and all that kind of thing, at anarcho-christian-xp on Instagram. And they've been doing this for a minute, and uh, I'm... long-time listeners will know I'm as atheist as they come, and I'm just not interested. But... I respect it. If it's your thing, it's your thing. If it does something for you, great. You know, I'll I'll enjoy my time in hell. Whatever. But no, he he does a great job of kind of combining the the very peaceful messages of authentic, what I would call authentic Christianity, from the very much bastardized modern churches, and a lot of the kind of hypocriticalness of kind of American conservative Christians. Like so many of them are just lost in the sticks on, you know, kind of uh, what is an appropriate way to to live in this world. You know, they'll, they'll be saying, you know, don't harm innocence in one breath and we should 
we should glass the Middle East in the next. It makes no fucking sense. But yeah, no, absolutely. There's there's plenty of guys who promote that stuff. And honestly, the the Christian anarchists, I find, the ones who are really hot shit on their arguments, I find to be some of the most consistent anarchists out there. They really do care about the peaceful message, about the anti-war message, about, you know, living your life, leaving others to it, all that kind of good stuff. So yeah, it's... It's not contradictory at all, just as it wouldn't be, you know, for any other religion, as long as they're, as long as the dogma doesn't necessarily say, you know, force this way of life on others. But yeah, finishing firearm technician and designer studies in three years in Europe, any tips for moving to the US? Yeah, I mean, the big thing, if you're Euro trash or otherwise foreign, a work visa is probably going to be your best bet. So... I would reach out to a fuck ton of companies, like a ridiculous amount. I'm talking 10 plus, 15, 20, the more the better. And no, I'm not talking about just typing out like a, a boilerplate letter and sending it to each, you know, to all of them. I want you to research firearm companies that you're interested in working for right now, not when you're near the end of your degree. Reach out right now, tell them what you're training in, maybe ask about what they need, like what's kind of, you know, skills that they're lacking right now, you know, try and just, just try and make a connection with firearm companies that interest you and also express interest in working for them someday, ask if they have any kind of work visa programs, you know, try and, try and reach out, make that connection, try and learn something, even if they say, you know, there's no way we're going to do that, we don't do that kind of thing, Maybe you'll learn something, you'll learn a little bit more about the industry. You definitely need to make some contacts because, and this is the harsh truth, no one gives a fuck that you're stuck over there. No one gives a flying fuck. There's plenty of Americans, you know, that could potentially fill a job. You have to be fucking exceptional for a company to work with you and to kind of put that time and investment into the uh, the process of bringing you over and you know, kind of the, the risk versus reward of that. So don't think of it as them doing you a favor because it doesn't make fucking sense for a company to do you a favor. You're a, to them, again, harsh truth, you're a fucking no one to them. You gotta make them give a shit about you, impress them with a, a well-written letter, and, uh, you know, try and present yourself as a future asset and someone that's engaged and interested and that is worth all of that hassle so that's that's the best i can give you on that one how to go about linking up with liberty-minded folk for training or chilling i need friends we all need friends buddy um this is this is a difficult one for me there's been various groups over the years that have you know like snapchat groups telegram groups or whatever who are like hey if you're local you know just hit up this chat and find guys you know, in your town or whatever. Reaper 1.1 on, on Instagram has done that. I don't know if it's like a constant chat or thing they have going, or if it's like, you know, every once in a while they have it, but definitely check him out for that because he's pretty eager to link people up for training. Myself, personally, I've never been interested in hosting that kind of thing because I've seen when it goes wrong and I don't want to fucking touch it. I've I've certainly become a lot less like paranoid about meeting up with people because I, it's not like we're getting together and you know planning to 
<laughs> kidnapped the governor of, what was it, Michigan or whatever, that those feds entrapped those autists with, but that wife-beating FBI agent from the Detroit office. <sighs> what a fucking... What a, that guy looked like a fucking cunt too, didn't he? Guy was a swinger and he apparently beat his wife because he was upset about her getting some other cocks dragged through her. <laughs> it's like, what a fucking weird... I got lost in the sticks there. Oh, where was I? But yeah, like, I, I've gotten a little less paranoid about meeting up with people. I, and, you know, no hate to anyone, but I won't just meet up with any old stranger. They have to be kind of a mutual acquaintance. And the only people I hang out with is because I kind of met up with them, you know, a handful of times in various ways, like 2A rallies or whatever, and kind of got to know them a little bit before I really met up with them. Like, over the course of years, I was, you know, a lot of people... I train and shoot with now, didn't even know I was in the state for the longest time, just because I'm not, you know, I, I'm careful about who I hang out with, because who fucking knows these days, I'm not doing anything dodgy, I'm just enjoying myself and talking shit on the internet, you know, y you gotta be careful, and the big thing, I think the best advice I could give you is, don't look for people that are gonna be your, like, shit hits the fan squad, look for people that are gonna, that they'd come over and help you set up a garden, or come over and help you with some DIY stuff, or go camping with you. S stuff like that. Like, people who are very much into the prepping side of things, just as much as they are the training and all that. Because if you're- if you go out looking for people exclusively with the intent to train to be, like, this hardcore squad, you're gonna kind of attract the wrong kind of crowd in terms of glowies and stuff. And Good fucking god, do not go with anyone who is excited about violence. The people you're looking for are the peaceful, not harmless crowd who just want to have good neighbors and, you know, make it through this crazy life. Not people who are throffing at the mouth, kind of acting a little bit psycho and sus, because they work for the FBI. That's the truth of it. Fuck those cunts. Don't go hanging out with domestic terrorists, kids. <laughs> stick to the stick to the hippies who want to grow their own jalapenos and yeah fuck the drama hmm. choice of edc backpack and equipment for single day operation slash shit hits the fan need to get home scenario well if you're going overt i'm a big fan of the little day pack i got from advanced warfighting solutions get 10 percent off with code art and war 10 on a SMU war belt, but no, seriously, it's a, that's a really good pack for, that's that's my favorite day pack, why well, I just took hiking on that eight mile hike and did it very well, very comfortable, but uh, no, honestly, if you're trying to get home, it's probably best to be a little bit more, you know, covert with, with your kit, so I have become accustomed to digging through all of the bags at Goodwill, because no one ever really fucking bothers with them. And uh, a lot of the bags there, you know, it, it's it's like the best selection of kind of used, very civilian looking bags. And you can get them for peanuts, you know, you don't have to spend like 200 bucks on the, the most Gucci Vertex bag you can. That still kind of looks a little bit tactical. You know, instead you can find something that fits your gun and all of your gear, medical supplies, food, kind of sustainment shit. And it looks like a school bag, you know? And maybe it won't be bomb-proof, but you're trying to get home, right? You're not trying to fight a war. 
So just a cheap, cheerful backpack that's not going to attract any attention, isn't like, you know, covered in molly and, you know, or, or has like a Velcro patch area. Just, just something cheap and boring. And, and that's the, that's the unsexy truth of so-called gray man stuff is unsexy and boring is key. You know, you don't want like 5.11s and, and, you know, Solomon's on and all that kind of shit. Just, well, I, I guess you could kind of go for the the hiker thing, but honestly, it's just best to dress like a normal dude, where you're, well, if your everyday clothes are 5'11", God help you, but, <laughs> you know, try and develop a, some style and some individuality, and, and you'll be good. As for equipment, if you're trying to, you know, single day operation, shit hits the fan, definitely dependent on your use, but you're gonna want some kind of, I like a, a complete change of clothes, especially something different from what you would normally wear, necessarily. You know, that's always good for kind of adopting that, you know, leftist Antifa black block kind of thing, where if you need to ditch out of a crowd, you want to be unfucking recognizable So have a, have a separate change of clothes in there, probably some kind of way to make a fire, some kind of way to purify water, maybe some road flares, because those are pretty multi-use. Obviously, we don't want to go too crazy on ammunition or anything, because God help you if you're gunfighting your way back home. We don't want, like, you know, 12 mags necessarily rattling around. But, I mean, if you think you might need that, again, God help you. But, <laughs> but you know, if that's your, your use, then find something that can hold it. But really, we want to be thinking more about food, shelter, warmth, staying safe, staying unrecognized and you know not particularly interesting and just getting the fuck home as quick as we can so be good to be able to conceal a ar if we need it it'd be good if it had a laptop pouch that we can put you know soft or hard body armor into all those kind of things just just think about your use case what's gonna be essential for you and don't don't overpack it you know we need we still want to be nice and mobile because getting the fuck away from a fight is usually the better survival technique than getting in a gunfight, if, if we can get away from that fight, we should, you know, so yeah, that's all I got on that. Hmm, what's your biggest fear? That's a good one. I wonder if I've ever, if I've been asked that before, maybe I have, hopefully I answer it in a similar way, <laughs> but no, my biggest fear, I think, for me is to, to be stuck in a way of life that's inauthentic to me. And I think that's very much why I became an anarchist and why I've always, well, I've always had that kind of anarchist intention and character, really. I, I don't like the idea of living a lie. And that's why inconsistency when I was a conservative really bugged me. I was like, this just doesn't make any fucking sense. You know, kind of my, my mesh of ideas don't really line up with this label. And, and neither did my lifestyle. And, uh, you know, obviously was, we're all still working towards that ideal, and I, I think I will be until the day I die, but to outright be denied that as I was living in England, like, the, the ability to live my lifestyle authentically just does not exist in England. Like, really. I could, but it would be so much more difficult, and the most minor things that I enjoy here would be, you know, potentially life-altering. <laughs> so, yeah, my biggest fear is kind of, kind of living a lie and just living, or getting a little bit older and kind of losing that fire 
to to live authentically if I just kind of settled. Who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll disappear one day and become some fucking boring boomer. But you know, I've been this way for a minute now. I'm not sure I could I could go back or or this fire could ever die down. But it is a fear of mine to to lose that and to become just kind of a just become someone that would embarrass me right now in in my prime you know that shit is just just fucking horrifying and it's something you see all the time i mean fucking <laughs> fucking jello biafra became a politician and then just a whiny you know neoliberal kind of fuck and it happens to a lot of people a lot of people become just gutless i mean on the flip side of that johnny rotten became a, a mega guy <laughs> it's like fuck me if if these guys as kids could see their adult self they they would have given themselves the the cobain treatment you know it's fucking sad to become that old man who just kind of settles or who compromises their principles because they've just become so lost they can't even see the hypocrisy they think it's authentic to to who they've always been. I hope to to give myself enough reality checks to to never fall into that trap, but it happens a lot. And it's always a very real risk we all have to be aware of, you know, it's kind of cucking <laughs> to uh, to expectations in society. And you know, maybe that's maybe that sounds like the, you know, young dumbass punk kind of thing to say, but there's there's so many that have such good pure principles when they're young and not just kind of in the in the starry-eyed you know liberal way like we could be in this utopia if only we voted harder you know i just want to live purely i want to harm no one i want to live my life as i as i wish to and that's that that's those are my principles i want to be left the fuck alone and i want to leave people the fuck alone and if i ever corrupt those principles and bend them to allow myself to i don't know just just get lost in excuses <sighs> well the me now could never forgive a future me who who would do such a thing you know yeah i just hope i i hope i hold true to myself i guess that's that's much scarier than any physical threat or any phobia I could have, and honestly, to, to give you like a real answer, I don't, I don't really have too many real fears, honestly, I think I'm too boring and rational, <laughs> the, it's kind of like failing myself, and everything I've been, you know, fighting for, is a pretty big fear, but, hey ho, you guys, you know, just, just keep me honest, alright? <laughs> What do you think about states controlled by metropolitan areas like New York or Washington? I think they're fucking cesspits. Did an episode a few back called City Hellscapes versus Blessed Wilderness. And yeah, very much go into kind of my upbringing. I was a, a country boy and moved to the big city to kind of get some experience and... <sighs> fuck me. Why do people live here? Makes no fucking sense. And uh, to keep it short and sweet... I view cities as just top-down authoritarian paradises, you know. They're, 
they're just a continuation of lords and kings having castles and keeping their peasantry inside to be their tax cattle and their kind of labor and then to enjoy all the riches just because they're the most powerful warlord around we very much live the same fucking lifestyle we think we're so far past that we live in such a different society we still live under warlords and we still live within their castle walls they're just a little less visible these days so yeah fuck metropolitan areas they suck I hope cities become kind of, kind of like Route 66, you know? Like, they'll still be around, and it's cool to go and see one for the, you know, snap a few pictures on vacation or whatever, but I want it someday to be like, those people still live in a city? Fucking losers. Thinking about moving to Arizona from Washington State. Thoughts? Yeah, I got a few. I think uh, what a lot of the preppers down here have kind of come to realize is that the water situation is going to be pretty dire in, well, who knows how soon, maybe a few years, maybe a decade, maybe a few decades, but at some point, unless there is a real drastic solution to the, uh, the whole Colorado River water situation and the diversion of that water to said metropolitan hellscapes it's gonna be a real shit time around here and my fucking god if you take the southwest and you remove water ac and then have some kind of food shortage gonna make mad max look like a kid's movie fuck that shit so personally i love the southwest i love desert but i don't think it's i don't think there's much longevity here if, if you want, like, a real long-term homestead kind of situation. I think Arizona is a fucking kick-ass state. It's beautiful. The culture is really cool. And, God, the the scenery is just gorgeous. It's some of the most beautiful country on this planet. But, in my opinion. But, I I don't think it's gonna gonna last, you know, in terms of kind of being a great place to live forever. So, that's my opinion. Worth it for, like, you know, like, move down here for a few years or whatever. Might fall in love with it and decide it's it's worth worth the risk with the water and stuff like that. But, yeah, my prepper brain kind of says, you know, maybe it's time to, to look elsewhere. Alright, this question is from a very special person in my life. <laughs> no, good mate that you guys you guys have listened to before how do your friendships you've made online compare to those you made in real life that that's an interesting one because you know the if we're talking the ones i've made in real life as in kind of people i was forced to be around because of public schooling or because of my job or you know whatever just social circles and stuff plenty of people that i'm very close to I love until the grave, all that kind of good stuff. But the friendships you make online and in these kind of communities where you can be kind of your most authentic self, like, you know, my listeners and followers and and friends I've made in this community, you people know me a lot more authentically than a whole lot of people in my life, you know? And that's not because I, like, I hide this stuff from them, but they don't engage with my real, like, hardcore beliefs and principles and 
interests on the same level that so many of you do, you know? So, friendships that I've made online are they're pretty fucking significant to me, you know? I've, I've learned so much and I've made so many lifelong connections. I know they're going to be lifelong, you know, from, uh, from people that were just a, just a username at one point and, and some memes and some shit posting. But once you start talking to people and you kind of realize you're very much the same breed, you, you found your tribe, you know, it's, it, it is, it's hard to compare it, you know, like those childhood friends, you'll always love them and stuff, but they're not, I mean, some some of you are lucky enough to have grown up in communities where your friend group, people you went to high school with, turns out they ended up in a, a very similar spot to where you are, which is fucking cool, and I'm I'm envious of that. But I, there's no one from my childhood or who I grew up with or any of that who was anywhere close to where I am. So some of them call themselves libertarians, some of them even lean anarchist, or, or, or are just hippies or whatever it might be who lean more towards that homesteading and homeschooling life. But uh, none of them are really in that same spot where they they really get it, you know, really get that lifestyle, really get what it's about, why you're into it, and and understand. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a different world. And uh, I'm glad that I've got to move those relations, you know, the, the relationships that matter most to me kind of online past that point of being just just an alter ego, you know, pe- people I associate with, with my alter ego, but instead being people who genuinely are important to my life, so, yeah, it's hell of a difference, man, and you know who you are, and I love you very much, buddy, <laughs> and, and so many more of you out there. What do you think about genetically modified organism foods, their use, utility, and potential downfalls? See, I have started to go very, very natural with as much as I can with my diet. My lady is very much into the whole nutritionist pipeline and kind of trying to cut out all the artificial shit. But there is something to be said about, you know, maximizing yield from your, you know, from from what you plant. And uh, I am interested in kind of hybrid plants, like those ones where, you know, you'll have potatoes on the roots and then tomatoes from the above ground plant weird shit like that i find interesting but i'm i'm not like you know i'm not like kaczynski level you know fuck all of that stuff but there is some creepy shit i saw some fucking plant based burger that's coming out for halloween that supposedly is meant to mimic human meat i'm like why the fuck does this exist so I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not a science guy, dude. So I, I'm I'm a gun guy, you know. So I couldn't tell you the ins and outs of it, but I think we are treading pretty dangerous territory. I think humans could really fuck up what we're doing with our food supply, and you know, of course, we already have with our thanks to John Harvey Kellogg and all the rest of it with the hardcore sugar intake and all of these fucked up preservatives and chemicals in our foods. But I think there is a place for genetically modified foods. But it's got to be it's got to be very minor and to kind of maximize yield rather than kind of all this other shit that we're trying to engineer into it. So someone says new and love it. Thank you, man. Thank you for joining us. 
Do you think balkanization is likely in the US as states defy feds more? Yes, I personally think balkanization is inevitable. I, you know, all, all empires inevitably fall and the average age is 250 years. But uh, whether it will happen in my lifetime, I'm not so sure. Balkanization could happen fucking next week, next year, next decade, or could be a hundred years from now. Who fucking knows? But I, I do think that the United States, it's going to take one or two states to secede, which a few are already flowing with it. I mean, California, for the longest time, has has said they were wanting to secede, you know, for one reason or another. Usually it's because the rest of the country is going to, like, you know, conservative or whatever. Texas has talked about becoming the Lone Star State once again. And New Hampshire you know, the whole Free State Project, I believe it was this year they filed an official thing for trying to secede. So, uh, lots of, lots of unrest there, and I really don't see the, the political situation in this country getting any smoother. I think it's gonna carry on, people are gonna become more and more agitated, people are gonna realize it's not sustainable, and, you know, it, it's gonna take a bit more than a few more 9-11s to get everyone waving, you know, 50-star US flags again. I think it's very much going to become, like, these people aren't my neighbors, and I believe in living in a different way from them, and the only sensible way to, to continue is going to be balkanization, or it's going to come to some kind of messy trade or violent conflict, you know. I don't think it's going to be some kind of, you know, neat left versus right civil war kind of thing like a lot of people are trying to frame it when they when they hear the words balkanization but i do think it's going to become interesting <laughs> and the federal government with the way they're trying to militarize the irs the fbi the atf it's not going to go well it's not fucking going to end good and quite a few states are already starting to get shifty about stuff and about that stuff and rightfully so so we'll see we'll see how how that goes would you rather buy a high point firearm or vote <laughs> no right answers here dude i would rather spend a hundred bucks on you know effectively a <laughs> a cartridge firing water gun any day over voting yeah i i've got no interest in voting ever again i could quite happily die without ever standing in line feeling like a fucking idiot <laughs> playing the politics game. I don't know, voters kind of strike me as LARPers. Like, you stand there thinking you're making a difference when, you know, the agenda's already been selected, and regardless of how things going down, what what the people in the ivory towers want to happen is gonna happen. So, yeah, I would, I would ru much rather have a high point. Do you think gun confiscation will work? Will it require foreign aid? I don't think... <sighs> I mean, the only way I could see foreign aid happening would be, like, some kind of Interpol joint task force with, like, the Canadians. Because they've been bitching about American guns getting into Canada recently. So, I could see that being a thing. Mexico is never gonna fucking bother. They, they have enough shit going on. They don't give a fuck about what's happening in the States. But... 
Canada might just be that those maple tyrants might just be froggy enough to try and get involved. If we had, I mean, Christ, if if there is a blue president in charge, I mean, you know, reds make the best gun grabbers, but I could see a blue president really being more about some kind of creepy cross-borders gun control kind of situation. That's the only way I could really see it. I don't think it's going to be the, the blue helmets coming for your guns. It's going to be Officer Dick, who, you know, your uncle drinks with, rocking up with, you know, SWAT from the next town over that doesn't give a shit about your little town, you know, coming through and confiscating your guns, telling you it's for your own safety, and that it's temporary. Yeah, I think there's going to be plenty of American cops who would much rather keep their 30-round magazines and their exemptions from the law to go and kick in your door, shoot your dog, shoot your wife, shoot your kids, and make sure that they keep their pension. And that, they, you know, meanwhile saying they were just following orders. I, I really don't think it's going to take foreign troops. That is the... That's, that's one of the funnier conservative kind of conspiracies is that the UN is going to come and take your guns. Nah. It'll be Americans, I promise you. There is always a more loyal attack dog, and cops don't give a flying fuck about the Constitution, no matter how much they say they do. Friends don't see how taxation is extortion. How better explain? Well, you gotta know your audience. Like, if these guys are, you know, glaring warhawks, or, you know, neoliberals, or, or bleeding heart liberals, or progressives, whatever the fuck it is, it's gonna take a slightly different angle. But... My go-to is usually, you know, the anti-war argument. Like, I was raised a military kid, I know where that fucking money's going. It's pretty gross. I don't agree with putting warheads on babies' foreheads, you know? I don't like the fact that I'm paying for 90% civilian casualties with drone strikes. I think that's fucking abhorrent. And forcing people to pay for things that go against their, their morals, it, not only against their morals, but that is causing death and destruction across the planet is not worth our shitty roads or public school system that indoctrinates people against the you know their own individuality and you know best interests so usually i hit it from that angle you know i i object to funding war and i'm forced to at gunpoint that's pretty fucking objectionable and no amount of goods and services could ever, you know, validate that grievous crossing of the line of, of my personal morals and many others, you know. So, that that's kind of where I'd hit it from. Of course, you might have to change it up depending on your audience, but in general, forcing people to pay for things they find evil, abhorrent, and all the rest of it, that doesn't really sound like a, like a fair and good society to me, and if your friends have any sense, hopefully they can come around to that conclusion as well. How do I stay motivated to eat healthier foods? Well, for me, it was uh, once I started getting out and, you know, doing more with my body after kind of a lull in, in doing so for a brief period. And then getting, getting back out there again, I really fucking noticed the difference in the, you know, what fuel I had put in my tank. And... A, a simple change in diet not only changed how I perform when I'm out in the field, but just how I 
feel as a human being, you know, like, just mood is significantly better once you start eating a bit healthier, energy, way better, mental health, way better, you know, it's, it's just not great to run on subpar fuel, and once you really start considering what you're, what you're putting in your body, like, you're, you're putting, like, toy food in your body, like, stuff that's just pleasurable. If, if you're eating junk, it's pleasurable to eat, but really, there's just no nutrients in it, which is really fucking gross to think about. Like, you're just taking in just carbs and sugar and just shit, you know? You're eating shit to shit it out, and you feel like shit. And <laughs> if that's not motivation enough for you, God help you, you know? So, I, I don't know, like, there's also the thing of you're just not helping yourself or your loved ones or anyone if if you're just taking in just absolutely crap food you're the only person you're hurting is you you know and on top of that you're really falling into the hands of people that fucking hate you you know like eating like shit is just kind of subscribing to that corporate tax cattle lifestyle of just being, you know, you are the product, you are being monetized, you are killing yourself, and someone else is profiting off of you killing your body. And of course, like, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that you never have to touch fast food again, because I mean, fuck, a road trip, we all, we've all been there where it's like, fuck, I haven't seen a real restaurant or a real way to, a, a place to get real food for like, you know, eight hours. <laughs> but just... Just cutting it out of your life as kind of a, a constant, or, you know, like like the the majority of your food intake as well. That's my big motivator. You know, I I don't want to subscribe to the lifestyle that is expected and hoped for me by people that hate me and that I hate myself. And also just you know looking after myself, caring for myself, body as a temple, all that good stuff, and capability. That's there's so many reasons that compound to, to look after your body, you know, if, if you don't believe in coming back to this earth, you've only got one shot at it, and, you know, you should enjoy your body, especially when you're young and in your prime, you should enjoy it to its fullest and try and maximize the potential that you have, rather than, you know, getting to 40 and having had a beer gut since your 20s, like, you know, looking back on 20 years of being a fat fuck, you're going to be pretty sad that you didn't climb more mountains and give yourself the the fuel and ability to enjoy life a little bit more, you know? So, hopefully there was something of value in that for you, but uh, it is a struggle, I get it, especially if food is kind of your pleasure. For me, it's a chore, but I know for a lot of people it's kind of not quite a hobby, but an enjoyment. So, just just learn to love healthy food, you know, there's definitely a way to do it, and it takes a little bit of time, because your body's like, you know, oh, this is healthy food, we don't like this, you know, if you've really done a number on yourself with the junk, but uh, you got to retrain yourself, find healthy stuff that you can really enjoy, and, you know, make a lifestyle of it, rather than, you know, a diet, or like a temporary thing, it's got to be something that's sustainable, so find a way to make that sustainable, and then, you know, live with it, because, you will feel better for it. Someone asks, what was the inspiration for the BR smile? So uh, it's been a while since I've explained this one. Effectively, BR comes from my original name, 
Bloody Revolutions, which is a song name by the British anarcho-punk band Crass from the 80s, who were a bunch of essentially hippies in black, very outright anarchist in their lyrics, and even anti-punk at times. They were you know, very much against kind of clash and the commercialization of rebellious culture. And so Bloody Revolutions was one of their songs, and it was very inspirational for me because they sing about, you know, a lot of kind of anarcho-punks are in their, you know, more lefty socialist kind of territory. And Bloody Revolutions was mocking violent socialist revolutions for just being a continuation of the same boot on the neck like we were talking about earlier, you know, yeah, you, you overthrow, you know, the, the tyrants, and then you become the tyrants with your, your new rules and stuff, so I, I took my name from that, Bloody Revolutions, and then the smile itself, to get to the, the crux of your question, comes from some artwork by G. Voucher, who was one of the artists behind most of the crass artwork, and uh, there was this kind of, my profile picture, on Instagram and kind of everywhere really is this soldier who is clearly having just a fucking miserable time and uh, was photographed and then a lot of the a lot of the crass artwork is kind of clever collage kind of artwork so they cut out you know little bits from magazines and stuff and you know put things together to make new art and so someone cut out this big red lipstick smile and put it over this miserable soldier's face to you know he's, he's enjoying himself kind of kind of the way that a whole lot of soldiers are portrayed in conflict or historically were portray portrayed in con conflict was to you know they're going over there and they're fighting the good fight and gr boys are you know really showing it to them and they're not showing the the reality of war you know like we see a little bit more today where we see raw combat footage with you know ripped off limbs and all sorts of awful shit so yeah that was a a big inspiration for me was crass their artwork their lyrics their song names and all sorts of things like that and so uh, seeing as that was a big part of kind of my introduction to anarchism in name i wanted to make that part of my identity as i do this stuff and as i've continued especially with the photography i didn't want to use like the whole face just because it feels like a bit much and a bit cheesy when i'm editing it over my own so just kind of the you know the digital square and then the smiley face or that the smile on its own felt a bit more appropriate, and I kind of like that collage look. So, yeah, that's where that comes from. Why are the Pacific Northwest and Southwest gun cultures so much cooler than other areas? Fud-ass Midwest. I don't know shit about the Midwest, really, but I, I would hedge my bets and say it probably has something to do with kind of fear culture, you know? Like, as America became more and more, put this in quotation marks, civilized, you know, as, as government and cities and all that kind of thing, you know, modern convenience spread further and further out west, the frontiers, the southwest, Pacific Northwest, were kind of that last bit of untamed America, where a lot of people who weren't into being controlled, when there was still much more a culture of, of living free, you know, a whole lot of them were moving out west, you know just like myself did it a little bit later. But I imagine it's kind of that rugged individualism that's required to be a proper frontier, you know, frontier living person, mountain man, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, for the, for the Southwest, it's going to be the 
cowboy culture too. That very rugged individualism translates into gun culture pretty readily because, you know, guns are just tools and a part of being a rugged individualist is being able to protect yourself and handle yourself. So I think that was very much inherited. You know, it's been pissed on a little bit by all of these all these fucking pretty boys with their their ARs that are, you know, <laughs> these people will go to the grave without ever putting a fucking light on their rifle because they have no idea what you'd need a light for, you know. <laughs> so uh, I think that's a big part of it. The Midwest, it, you know, it's been, it's been tamed for a long time and there's just not that kind of, not so much that culture of, hey, I'm going up in the mountains, something might eat me <laughs> if I don't have a gun on me kind of deal. It's just... Just a little bit of a different lifestyle down in the cornfields, you know? So, uh, I think that's a big part to do with it. Maybe others could speak more to that. I'm not, you know, haven't been here that long, but that would be my guess. Someone asks, any advice on changing careers? Yes. Where to begin? Holy shit. I think the thing above all is to make sure that it's sustainable. You know, you got to be working for people that, like, good leadership is one of the big things when you're looking out for a new company above all else. Because if you're going to be working for someone, they need to be someone who has a similar mission to you in just in terms of how they view the world. Like, if you have radically different values from the company that you're trying to work for, it's not going to work out. You're going to think they're pieces of shit. Whatever you do, it has to be, you know, even if it's not necessarily working for someone, if, if you're going into business for yourself, freelancing, whatever it might be, starting a business, it needs to be something that's sustainable and something that you're interested in. Because if it's, if it's just about making money, then who gives a shit? You're going to get burnt out. It's just going to become a paycheck. And, you know, that's, that's not something you can do forever. And they always say you know, do something that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And it's fucking true. If you are doing something that you feel is a worthwhile contribution to the world, whatever that might be, it could be fucking anything. Don't let anyone, you know, tell you what is of value and what isn't. If it's something that you enjoy and you feel is worthwhile on any level, then you're going to be able to keep that up. But if it's something that you're just kind of, you know, punching your time card, why fucking bother, you know? The other thing is to have some, you know, have a little bit of confidence in yourself and don't play it safe. Like, if you're just going for jobs that you know you could absolutely 100% nail, then you're going to find yourself kind of in jobs that you're potentially overqualified for or that just bore you because it's just, you know, it's, it's mindless work. There's no challenge. And that's also unsustainable you know a lot of people and including myself including i'm sure many of you have been in a job where you just turn up turn your brain off and that's it and you know maybe that's your thing i mean einstein did it he he worked in a fucking post office because it was it was you know a way to make cash while he was focusing on what he really cared for and uh, that maybe didn't pay a dime you know and you know maybe maybe that's what's best for you whatever you do don't be timid in what you pursue, you know? Like, don't be the one going in there and kind of being soft hands and being unsure of yourself. Now, I'm not saying to fake it until you make it, 
but there is always room to grow into a job you know like the expectation nowadays is so often to have you know 10 years of experience when you're at, for an entry level position it, it's okay to go in there and learn on the job a little bit like because regardless of what you're getting into you're going to have to learn something about doing this new job so I, I've definitely had jobs where I went in there and I was like oh fuck we we need to do this cool yeah I can probably do that <laughs> and you know sure enough no disasters no like oh fuck I'm an imposter although imposter syndrome is I think imposter syndrome might be one of the most brutal and stagnating things in terms of uh, career changes you always feel like you're not quite ready to do whatever's like next in your path it's important to just headbutt those motherfucking things you know <laughs> just be like well it wasn't on the agenda now it is let's let's figure it out you know and i think people who can take on that kind of stuff are going to have the best you know work life and best lives really hopefully that didn't sound too you know granola hippie <laughs> and it was actually somewhat you know useful i'm in the middle of kind of some career moves myself and i don't know those things come to mind there's there's been a lot of points where i've doubted myself and i've come to realize every time i've doubted myself and pushed on anyway it worked out so now that i've gone into a few things you know since kind of getting over that with some confidence and willingness to try something that's you know maybe a little bit scary or a little bit uncertain holy shit I, I don't use the word empowering lightly, but that's exactly what it is. When you realize you can, you know, kind of throw yourself in the deep end and keep on swimming, happy fucking days, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, get out there. Don't, don't hide behind what's easy or what's, what's safe. Obviously, we want stability. You know, don't be fucking up your life. But don't, don't stagnate out of fear or uncertainty that you can, you know, that, that you're ready for the next thing. Like, if you if you want to, to make that jump, you feel like you are ready, but you're doubting yourself, you know, do what you can to prepare for it, and then make that jump if you can. Someone asks, what in your mind would be a fitting punishment for the feds responsible for Waco and Ruby Ridge? Alright, I'm gonna give you- I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it so my lawyer can read this in court. No, seriously. I, I believe in you know, kind of restorative justice, like, really, it's up to the victim. It's not up to some, you know, to some judge or some jury or or some big dusty book of laws. It should really be up to the victim to decide how they are made whole again after being harmed. So, obviously, you know, it, it would be down to Randy Weaver or the, the victims He's at Waco who would be deciding what the restitution, what restitution was needed from the perpetrators, and I would argue that goes from every single person who gave a green light of any description for the violence committed against those individuals, all the way down to the actual perpetrators of it. All of them would need to offer some kind of restoration, restitution to the victims, whatever, whatever form and whatever extent that came in, because you cannot put you can't put a price on one life. The <laughs> the United States justice system has certainly fucking tried. Often pretty fucking shamefully. 
But yeah, you know, it would be up to the victims' families to decide how they need to be made whole after the government committed murder or mass murder against their loved ones. So it's not for me to say, you know, is the boring adult answer to that. But those people, if you could call those blood-soaked feds people anymore, yeah, they they need to answer for, the, for their crimes beyond the the four pigs that already did it, Waco. <laughs> Someone says, fuck Azerbaijan, that is all. I actually don't know a fucking thing about Azerbaijan, but word. Someone says, why are you so cute, my guy? You have no idea what the fuck I've got going on under the... But behind the profile picture and the, the digital blocks, it could be a fucking... It could be, could be Freddy Krueger under that. But I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh. Oh, buddy. Oh, friend. This one is written in the most crayon-eater fashion possible, and I, I adore you for it. <laughs> Why are AKs better than R? <laughs> Dude, why are AKs better than ARs? My favorite story is the one where the guy rolled out of bed with a Draco and there was someone breaking into his home and he just lights the cunts up and then it turned out it was some stupid pigs who got the wrong house and didn't announce themselves and I think he, he killed a couple of the cops and he got away from it because he was defending his home as any American fucking should. So that was pretty cool. I think Link AK is a pretty neat for that. I don't hear about people with ARs doing that shit, but I wouldn't know because I'm, I'm poor and I don't own an AK yet. It's on the list. By God, it is on the list. Completely impractical because we're never going to get Red Dawn. It's going to be, it's going to be Officer Dick and, and Bob and, and probably Jill who are kicking in your door and shooting your dog. Not the the Russians, but uh, no, AKs are pretty neat. Alright, let's do one or two more. Usually when I say that, it ends up being one. Is it a good idea to visit another country before the world goes to hell? Absolutely. Traveling the world is one of the best educations a person can have. I think it's so fucking important to getting, especially, especially for Americans, like, Europeans, your, you know, your borders are touching, often different countries with different languages and there's a lot of good cross-pollination but the United States is effectively 50 different countries that all speak the same language and have the same flag you know overruling flag so while there is some beautiful diversity in terrain and you know a little bit of diversity in culture but not much it's it's quite the education to go from you know the west to a country like Egypt and kind of seeing like, God, you go to the markets, and it's like, you know, eating some foreign food and seeing kind of what different streets look like, and oh my God, fucking Egypt was definitely the most life-changing trip I've had. I've been to a lot of places, but Egypt was by far the, the most different. And like, they would have four, five-lane highways that had eight rows of cars, you know, side by side. <laughs> and and in the streets, everyone's just merging and like bumping each other. It's fucking insane. Just like a different world. And, you know, th there's a lot of stuff like that where, like, I think Egypt was maybe the first time I'd ever been in a mosque. And I never expected to set foot in one, but I went into to a few and, you know, had to take off my shoes and all of that. But it was... 
It was a hell of an experience. Like, holy fuck, talk about a temple. Holy fucking shit. Life-altering. Became a Muslim. No. <laughs> No, Jesus Christ, that's another one for the file. But no, no, seriously, it was just very... I, I thought I was already like a worldly, well-traveled person. and But no, Egypt still managed to be fucking hell of an education. So, yeah, wherever you go, South America, Africa, the Middle East, mm, Middle East, maybe not, you know, Europe. Even if it's just Mexico or... Fuck Canada, don't go to Canada. But even if it's just Mexico, you know, like... It's a different language. It's a different culture. It's something that's going to make you appreciate home, but maybe also question why certain things are the way they are, you know? And maybe everything, you know, so many people, and some people aren't gonna like this, so many people kind of sell themselves on America is the best place in the world. And I think if you love freedom, it, it's pretty fucking good. Not for the, the politics, but the culture of it. But there is so much more to learn elsewhere, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. World travel is so fucking important as an educator. And just as an experience, you know? If you only go to one other country in your life, do it. Make it a hell of a trip. Don't stay in a resort. Don't stay in your hotel room. You know, don't stick to just English-speaking places really go out there and, you know, with some self-awareness and learn to speak under your fucking voice because Americans can't whisper. But no, absolutely fucking worth it. Ba -ba -ba -ba. All right, let's do one more. Is a bulletproof shield worth putting on the to-buy list? I saw this one and I was like, why have I thought about this too? Get out of my head. No, like, it really depends on your use. Like, I've always thought, what about a scenario where I have to get my loved ones, you know, armored up for whatever reason, you know, some kind of get out of dodge situation. If I had little kids, you know, I'm not going to be slapping Kevlar on them, am I, you know? So, I don't know, a bulletproof shield might be worthwhile. I don't personally, you know, I'm not a pig, so I don't really know the practicality of utilizing a, bu a bulletproof shield, but I, I imagine... I imagine with some training and some kind of some practice with it, you could probably utilize it pretty well, you know, in close quarters and kind of within the confines of a house or, or small structure, or maybe even in, in a vehicle. Again, I have zero knowledge when it comes to how good bulletproof shields are, but I imagine, you know, you or I could utilize them a lot better than the uh, Uvalde cops did in Texas. <laughs> But, yeah, I, I mean, maybe, I think there's probably probably things that are a better investment, like maybe gas masks, because you're more likely to use those in a, you know, in a, in a natural disaster, which is far more likely than, you know, a Red Dawn or home invasion kind of situation, unless you live in a shithole. So, it uh, really depends on your use case. I think there's probably better investments. It might be a bit, bit of a novelty, a bit of a kind of a what-if scenario tool rather than a multi-use tool so something to keep in mind but worth worth looking into you know but anyway we are we're close to hitting two hours which i was planning on keeping it at an hour 30 but i kind of just went on and on with the q a so if you're still listening thank you for listening if you want more content be sure to follow me if you don't already at br.the.anarch on instagram or subscribe to the Substack where myself and my fellow contributors uh, write about 
anarchist and stateless shit and culture at theanarch.substack.com. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Hopefully, well, I don't know if it'll be an interview or another solo one. Maybe it'll be another solo one to keep it a little bit more loose before we jump back into interviews. But regardless, pursue that peace, autonomy, and liberty. And I will see you next time.